Thank you for tuning into the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope, a United Methodist community. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We serve the Elgin, Illinois area and are located at the corner of Randall Road and Highland. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, here is this week's message. Please stand if you're able for today's lesson from Luke. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons who had come out. Joanna, the wife of Susa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go out over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. May God bless the reading, hearing, and understanding of his word. You may be seated. So let me first begin by telling you that Jesus' ministry was never confined to one particular area, not one particular synagogue, not to one town. Throughout his ministry, we find him traveling. And many times it was between Galilee and Jerusalem, but there were many other places that he went. Jesus even traveled to places that were off-limits in his day, places like Samaria. So it would only be logical that there would be stories about these journeys. And this is what Along the Journey is all about. I wanted to take a look at some of the things that happened to Jesus while he was in between places. The healings, the conversations, and the teaching moments, they're so important. So we're going to dive in here. But first, I want to remind you that you've got your bulletins, and in your bulletins, you've got a space to take notes. There's actually a space on your app to take notes, too, and maybe we'll discuss that a little bit uh, at an app moment uh, a couple of weeks from now. But you have places where you can take notes. There's also scripture passages that you can reflect on through the, throughout the week, as well as questions. Uh, and if you have a question that comes up, Go ahead and text it into me. I'll see what I can do. Don't know if I'll be able to work it in this morning, but we'll see what happens. Uh, will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, thank you for calling us to this time and this space. 
God, we are longing to hear your word, and we want to hear your message. And so, God, I ask that the words that I speak no longer be my own, but that they would be your words for your people. All this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm not sure if there has ever been a family vacation where something interesting, strange, or unexpected didn't happen. You can think back some of yours. I mean, you know, some of those times of of traveling and whether or not it was intentionally, uh, or maybe it was, say, across this country, in a neighboring town, internationally. What were some of those moments that you remember, that you realized that something interesting was happening? Something special was happening? You might remember this story. I, I think I might have told this before, but, uh, but I'm sure not everyone has heard this. Uh, but about 15 years ago, I had to travel to Atlanta, Georgia for a business trade show. It was the first time I'd ever been in Atlanta, and, and I was traveling alone. So wanting to make sure that I was able to find the hotel when I got there, I asked a guy who had been there multiple times for directions. And so this is what he told me. He says, I was to get off the plane, go directly to the MARTA, which is kind of like the Metro or the L or something like that, or the train in Atlanta, the public transit train. I was supposed to take it, get off at the Peachtree exit. And then when I got to the street, turn right, and the hotel was only a couple of blocks from that stop. Keep in mind, my flight arrived, and I see him chuckling back here. Somebody must already know about Atlanta. Uh, my flight was arriving at 8.30 at night which meant I was probably not going to get off the train till about nine or so, a little bit later. Well, I followed the instructions. Except the guy giving me the directions didn't tell me that almost every stop of the train says peach tree. <laughs> now understand that this was before we all had GPS in the palm of our hands. And so I got off the train at Peachtree, the one that I thought was the right one, and I proceeded to turn right. I immediately knew something was wrong, that I was going in the wrong direction, so I turned and started walking the other way. Big mistake. Here I am, downtown Atlanta, at night, dragging a suitcase with me, and I just made a U-turn looking incredibly lost. It didn't take long for someone to approach me and ask me if I needed help finding something, Thoughts race through my head. Do I, do I tell the man that I'm lost? Do I make it look like I knew exactly where I was going and that I knew someone just up the road? Do I hand over my wallet and just hope for the best? <laughs> well, I put my trust in this man from the streets and told him that I was looking for a particular hotel. He responded, oh, I know where that is. Follow me. Now other thoughts are running through my head. I've seen this in horror films and other newscasts. Uh, I figured he was leading me to a dark place where he can rob me, beat me up, leave me half dead. Our walk was about 10 blocks long, and it even included a dark alley right at the end. And this is where I thought I was going to meet God. Little did I know. At the end of this dark alley, we made a left, and just around the corner was the glowing light of the hotel that I was supposed to stay at. This man had brought me right to the doorstep of my hotel, keeping me safe from others. 
Sure, he asked me if I could help him out as he was not doing really well financially, and after he told me a story, I gladly handed over some cash for his guidance and his private escort to the hotel. This detour in my life taught me a few things. One of them is that I should never judge what God can do. Again, so many things happen to us along our journeys. And I'm sure you have plenty of stories that you can share. Some good, some not so good. I could tell you another story about how my family got to meet Bubba and Busby in Tennessee, but maybe another day. (laughs) They were wonderful gentlemen, by the way. Some amazing things happen along Jesus' ministry as well. This series will just focus on Luke's chapter 8, but but there are many other circumstances found in Scripture. But right at the beginning of this chapter, uh, we get a picture from Luke telling us what Jesus is doing. You see, he's going from town to town preaching and sharing the good news. He's also making it a point to, to tell us who is with him at that time. The disciples of there are there, of course. But also mentioned are three women. Mary Magdalene, uh, Joanna, and Susanna. We all probably know who Mary Magdalene is, but, but many might not remember that she was cured or healed of multiple demons because it's not necessarily a prominent story throughout the Gospels. But then we have Joanna, who is married to one of Herod's employees, who oversees some of the finances. And finally, we have Susanna, who is not mentioned anywhere else in the Gospels. Who is she? What is she doing there? We don't really know who she is, but we do know what she's doing there, because she's helping to fund Jesus' ministry, along with the other two and many others as it is stated in verse 3. All this to say, women play a key role in Jesus' ministry. Women play a key role in Jesus' ministry, even if verses like this are sometimes overlooked. It is said that at this time of Jesus' ministry, he was beginning to be pushed out, pushed out of the synagogues as his teachings were a bit too controversial And the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't really like what he was saying. He was getting the cold shoulder from religious leaders of the day and finding it difficult to bring the good news to the people there. So Jesus takes the message of grace and love to the streets. He travels all over telling people about the love of God and the grace that is offered to them. He's also healing and transforming lives. John Wesley Methodist founder experienced this as well. During the the beginning of his ministry in the Anglican church, he would be offered a pulpit to preach in where he would share the love and grace of God, preaching all about reaching people, including those who might have been excluded from the church because of many different reasons. The church eventually told him that he couldn't preach there anymore. And the ones that did let him would only do so every so often. Well, then John met this guy by the name of George Whitfield who told him to preach outdoors in the town squares to all the people. You remember John's famous phrase? John says, the world is my parish. Well, at that time, that was not something John felt comfortable with. In fact, he called that kind of preaching vile. 
That was vile preaching. However, after his first sermon to some coal miners, John was so moved about how God touched lives, touched the hearts there, that He was noted as saying in his journal, actually this is his journal entry from April 2nd, 1739. At four in the afternoon, I submitted to being more vile and proclaimed in the highways the glad tidings of salvation, speaking from a little eminence in a ground adjoining the city to about 3,000 people. You see, he called that outdoor preaching vile and now he wants to be more vile because he sees the difference that it is making. And so here we find Jesus taking it to the streets. His first stop was somewhere along the way, somewhere close to the Sea of Galilee, where a large crowd had gathered. He does some teaching as he shares the the well-known parable about the seed and the sower. And while he was out with people, he gets word that his mom and brothers were looking for him, but he was so busy in his teaching that they couldn't reach him. I can only imagine that there were so many things going on that day and the days that followed because it had been such a busy time and so Jesus would have needed a little downtime. Tells his disciples that they should take the boat and travel across the lake. During the boat ride, Jesus could finally get some rest. Have you ever reached a point like where Jesus is? That you have been so busy with everything going on. The holidays are coming. Family could be coming over. School events, church events, work, volunteer obligations, and the never-ending task of lists of things to do at home have you wishing and hoping for just a little downtime. You want to be like Jesus. Because we all know that Jesus took naps, right? We all get tired. None of us are invincible. We all need rest. How do you do with that? How do you do with rest? Are you truly able to take a day or a week just to relax? How's your self-care? Are you able to take a couple of hours, maybe just 15 minutes, and take care of yourself? Or do you have that internal drive to keep moving. Maybe you're like some of us around here that you keep hearing this voice. Maybe it's your mother's or your grandmother's voice and those words ring in your head. You know the ones. Idle hands are the devil's playground. Are they really? Are they really? Maybe this is a phrase that we should strike from our vocabulary because sometimes it is good to just sit and reflect, to not do anything. This can be part of our self-care. And Jesus was certainly taking advantage of some self-care moments as he napped on the boat that day. I must say that even the disciples got it, even if just for a little bit. You see, we know that they were on their way across the Sea of Galilee, a body of water that is known for having some pretty major squalls come up on you. Well, this particular day, a storm did come up. The wind started to howl. Much, much like yesterday, if we remember. The waves be, be, begin to climb higher and higher, and yet during this time, the disciples left Jesus alone, possibly in that quiet car, if you remember riding on the trains. 
He's in the quiet car of the boat. They didn't want to disturb him. Maybe they thought they could handle this. After all, they were experienced fishermen among those on the boat. They didn't want to wake Jesus. Can I tell you a quick story? Uh, growing up, I, obviously, you know, I've got, I've got two brothers. I've got an older brother and a younger brother, and, and we were perfect angels all the way through growing up. Uh, we always did the right thing, and uh, so, Dad, I know you're probably worshiping with us up in, up in Wisconsin, so I'm sorry I'm throwing you under the bus. Uh, so, we were living at this house, and we had, the, we had this above-ground pool in our backyard, and we loved to jump off the back porch into the, into the pool, diving in. Uh, but, but that didn't have enough danger in it for us. And so we needed to step up our game a little bit. And so instead of jumping off the patio or the, the deck that was at the pool height, uh, we needed something higher. So we climbed on the porch roof above the deck and we would jump off of the, the roof into the pool. Now, you have to picture this in your mind because, first of all, we had to jump far enough to get into the pool, but we couldn't jump too far because if we jumped too far, there was a power line that ran from the house to the pole. So we had this little window that we had to get into. Well, nothing happened with the power line. Nobody fell out of the pool or anything. But my younger brother, when he was climbing up on the roof, slipped. And as he slipped his hand off the roof, he caught a plant hook with his, right, with his pointer finger. Made a nice little smiley face on there. Uh, and we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? What do we do? We're just kids. We have no idea what we're doing. So what do we do? We call grandma. Grandma comes over, picks him up, takes him to the emergency room, gets some stitches, and she comes back, and, and the question comes out of her mouth, where is your father? You have to understand that my dad worked second shift, and so he would come home at 8.30 and sleep till about 4, and the rule was you didn't wake dad. Even in the midst of a, of a horrible accident, uh, which really was for us. I mean, we had no idea what was going on. We didn't wake dad. We called grandma. Well, grandma had other words for dad, I'm sure, that day uh, of why we couldn't wake him up when something like this happened. (laughs) Okay, so for the disciples, things get worse. And the waves start crashing over the side walls of the boat. Water is coming in, and, and they're afraid that they're going to capsize. They're going to drown. They finally have to go, and they finally have to wake up Jesus. Please note that even in the midst of the storm, Jesus is still asleep. That's important. Mark's account is a little more stark than Matthew and Luke's. While the, while the latter say that the disciples told Jesus they were getting ready they were getting ready to die because of the storm. Mark tells us that the disciples said, Teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? There's a, there's a bit of anger in that statement, along with the fear and anxiety. They might have felt like uh, another person that I know of. There's a very short clip that I want to show you. Uh, and so you might remember this guy. I mean, you get the sense with the disciples that they knew that Jesus could do something. 
but are wondering why he isn't. Well, they wake him up, and and Jesus speaks two words, one of them being, in Greek, siopa. Siopa means to be quiet, to be silent. At that moment, the wind and the waves calm down. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and asks, where is your faith? Where is your faith? The disciples were afraid, even though they had Jesus right there. While Jesus put his faith and trust in God and therefore slept through the storm, the disciples couldn't do the same. Where is our faith? If we look around us, we can certainly see storms in our lives. We face storms in our families, in our work, in this community, and around us in the world. It doesn't take many newscasts to tell us that. How do you react in the midst of the storm? Are you like Jesus, calm and peaceful, maybe taking a little nap? Or are you like the disciples, or even like Kevin Bacon from that movie scene, trying to act like all is well when everything else around you is falling apart? You see, Jesus and the disciples were in the same storm. They were in the same storm, but both had very different reactions to it. It's your choice. You can choose how to react to those things around you. Maybe you need a little, maybe you need to turn off the news. I did. Maybe you need to unplug from social media. Maybe we all need to take a deep breath and remember that journey of hope is an oasis of grace. You remember that from last week. Take a deep breath and remind ourselves that this space is an oasis of grace. Rest in God's grace, knowing that no matter what, God will take care of you. This is especially important for us today as we remember so many people whom we have lost just over this past year. And so we're going to enter into this time of remembering as we get ready to go forth from this place, knowing of the saints that have joined us and continue to join us each and every Sunday, each and every day of our lives as we, as we worship together and as we join in this community, may we go forth knowing that the love of God, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit goes with you. And it goes with you always. Amen.